slept in. Well, we're not judging. Sometimes you need to get those C's. And if you need to snooze, we'd much rather you did it at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on this Sunday Morning Sleep-In podcast. Now, if you just listen to the sermon on the podcast, you are going to miss out on some important things about being part of Christian community, like other people. They're wonderful. And sometimes they give you opportunities to practice being loving. (laughs) Amen. And that's good for you. Yes. You're going to miss out on great music. You're going to miss out on, frankly, coffee and cookies that you don't want to miss out on. You're going to miss out on a lot of important things. But we'll give you what we can. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts, perfect preachers, homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're just your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started the podcast, so if you're away from home or working or snowed in or sleeping in, You can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on a Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we hope that you would receive it with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we don't really care if you agree with everything we have to say. We encourage you to use your own mind, your own experiences as part of being uh, part of the Methodist method, really, is bringing your own life into this and deciding what you think. As we begin this new year, Advent 1, our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So, first Sunday of Advent. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I really love an Advent series because I think it helps pull the whole thing, you know, this whole little new newness together. Sure, right? yeah. And this year, um, I picked up a sermon series called What Can't Wait. Ooh. It's it's this idea that that in this this time at my in my congregation, we're going to be not just waiting, but actively waiting. Mm-hmm. That we're not going to be um what and and, and and analyzing what actually demands our immediate attention yes and what what we can put aside mm-hmm. right what what is not important because uh, I think uh, we have a tendency especially in our current environment that um, everything's important everything's important right I was reading this. is it just as important to get the presence under the tree as it is to be kind to a neighbor right right. I was uh, reading this poem by Steve Garnis Holmes, and he's talking about, you know, it's right around Thanksgiving, and he's cooking breakfast for the grandkids, and he's typing this devotional with one hand and scrambling eggs with the other hand and having a silly conversation with them at the same time. And he says, sometimes paperwork needs to get done, and sometimes I use it as an escape. Mm, Yeah. And so I think that's true with all of our Advent Christmas stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's stuff that actually needs to happen. Right. And sometimes we're using it so we don't have to deal with messy people. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, so we're so in Advent we're going to be talking about this. What can't God wait for? What can't we wait for? Yeah. Because as, as we wait. So what what are our priorities? What are our priorities? So this morning we start with hope. Great. Hope is a great word. But um we have some baggage around it. Uh think of all the things we say like hope against hope mm-hmm. or hoping for the best or if you're a Batman fan, hope is the worst hell. <laughs> yeah, right. Waiting while the, you know, like this idea that we kind of have to wait to see what happens, mm-hmm. right? Like, like hope is a passive thing. 
like it's just one of those it's, it's like it's a, a wish it's like, like a wishing wish. on a star right you just wish on the right star, star. everything will happen for, for you. you right and what i'm ta- what we're talking about from a christian perspective from the perspective of jesus followers is that what our hope is based in is in god's promises mm-hmm. and that god's promised day will arrive uh, when wars end and swords are beaten into plowshares and spears become pruning hooks and it struck me this year, like that passage is from Isaiah. It's from the second chapter of Isaiah. And it's something I've heard, you know, all my life. My, mm-hmm. my parents were peaceniks. I mean, yeah. and I had never really thought about it. what that image says is that it changes it from being about war and, and those who have power and who have dominion. Mm-hmm. And it turns to, you know, a day when planting and harvesting benefit all, yeah. right? I like all are involved in that. Mm-hmm. which is really gave me a little bit of hope just even in the preparation of this sermon to talk about to think mm-hmm. about this morning we're holding on to that hope to the hope of god's promised day coming among us that there will be peace and all will know love and it's sort of this unrelenting hope yes right? it's always present there sometimes we step you know it's a sort of a river that sometimes we step into and sometimes we've stepped out of but it right. is present there Walter Brueggemann talks about this passage from Isaiah, and one of the things he says is, it is an act of imagination that looks beyond the present dismay through the eyes of God to see what will be that is not yet. Yes. Theological imagination. Theological imagination. Which is different than making stuff up. Right. Totally different. The theological imagination is joining with God's imagination Mm -hmm. versus our imagination, which tends to be selfish and... Yeah, right. a little limited. A little limited, right? One of the stories uh, I read this week uh, in preparation for the sermon was the commentary that actually went with the picture that ended up on the bulletin cover. Mm-hmm. And it's this picture that says, keep awake. The woman talks about how, uh, the artist talks about how when she was a little girl, her mom would ask her, what was the best part of your day? And she always, she remembers those days that were just, she thought were just so awful. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, nothing was good. And how her mom would patiently and intensely and intentionally walk with her through her day until she found those good things. Mm-hmm. So that she would not dwell in the awfulness, but that she would see the hope present already mm-hmm. in her day. And... And I, I love this image because we are so often victim to that, especially in this season. Oh, yeah. Especially in this season where there are so many shiny objects, mm-hmm. right? Like you and I keep going into stores thinking we need one thing. And how many <laughs> did we come out with the other day? Right? Uh, a lot. A we lot. Came out with a lot of things. We, right. went, we went in for paint. And, and we came, came out, out with, with stockings and garlands and... and- Ornaments and, and cocoa, cocoa mugs, mugs and, and gifts, gifts for other people. You know, and yeah, yeah, I mean, we just, yeah, right. Like shiny objects. And then I also think about sort of the PR schemes that are out there. Sure. Like the ones that make us think we need more. The ones that make us think that we're, what we have is not enough. Right. The, I like the ones for car sales. Oh, yeah. Because they're like, sp- spend $24,000 on this car and we'll donate $200 to Toys for Tots. Tots. You know what? Just donate the just $200. Donate the $200. <laughs> Because you're going to finance the car and pay that much, pay way more than that. And yeah, you know, just an interest. Then if we look at like the the political machinations that are going on and alternative truths that are out there, they're trying to put us to sleep, so to speak, to and trying to distract us from God's vision. Yeah. And the reality is, is that the hope in that 
vision is what the season is calling us to. Right. Well, and I don't think they're trying to distract us from God's vision so much as they have an agenda. Right. Just so that we don't become paranoid. But right. No, it's, it's not People a aren't trying to like steer us off track. Car dealerships aren't evil. They're no. just trying to sell cars. Right. Part of that theological imagination is that priority thing is saying, yeah. what is the thing that is important? It is not important for me that that dealership sells cars. It is important for me that children have joy at Christmas. Right. So rather than buy a car. Car. Okay. Right. (laughs) I I want us to think about the question, what is blurring our vision? Yes. Bergman uses the word, the present dismay. Mm. And I love that, that image, because I think that helps us a little bit more. Yes. Right. What present dismay is blurring your vision and standing in the way of seeing as God sees. It's creating a thought distortion in you. Yeah. From our series this summer, where's the stinking thinking? Yeah. There's a list and we could go on for that list. Sure. But I just, you know, it's the heartbreaking events, right? Mm-hmm. In our family, in our own lives. Diagnoses, like- the breakups, the breakdowns, the broken promises and disappointments of just basic human interaction sometimes. It's the comparing game. It's the comparing game. Yeah, it's all of that. Or we can go from our, our little universe to the creation and be like, it's the environment, it's the economy, it's the human suffering, and everything in between. But Isaiah is calling us to pick up all of it, not ignore it, right? Because he doesn't say, just leave the guns by the side of the road. Right. Or, you know, just leave the swords, right? Yeah. He says, take it up and make it something new. Transform it. Transformation, right? Gather it, pick it all up, and move towards God's vision of creation. Mm-hmm. That's, we were just watching, uh, before we started recording, uh, yeah. RuPaul's Drag Race yep. on yep. Pluto, <laughs> where it's streaming constantly. And there was this episode where they were asked to create a book cover oh, that yeah. describes them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a self-revelation to do that. What do you want people to know about you? And it's an invitation to vulnerability. And one of the queens said... I turn trash into treasure. Mm. I can take brokenness and find the beauty. Right. And that's sort of what we're asking to do. Right. Um, you know, for a lot of the queens on the show, it's I I was gay as a kid and I didn't think that was okay. And so I've had to learn, you know, right. to without a lot of support, how do I see the good in this? Right. And that's a skill. Yeah. Whether right. you're a drag queen or average kind of human. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. Without drag superpowers. Like how... Right. How do you take what's broken and help turn it into something beautiful? One of the commentators I read, her name's Victoria Safford. She she talks about this. What you're kind of talking about this way is well, and helps us understand, you know, how we how we move into that unrelenting hope. This is a quote from her. Once you've glimpsed the world as it might be, as it ought to be, it's as it's going to be. It is impossible to live compliant and complacent anymore as the world as it is. Mm-hmm. And so you come out and walk out and march the way a flower comes out and blooms because it has no other calling. It has no other work. And I love that image, right? Yes. That this is at the very core of who we are. You know, imagine what, what, what a group of hopeful people can do. What happens when people look clearly at what has happened and decide even in the face of impossible odds to make something more different Something transforms. 
Seamus Henney talks about the meeting point of hope in history, mm-hmm. where what has happened is met by what we make of it. And this really ties into your um, sermon from Christ the King Sunday. Like, what? how are we going to tell the story? Mm-hmm. How are we going to transform what has happened and take it truthfully? We're, mm-hmm. not, we're not talking about rewriting history. Right. We're not talking about making great heroes out of people who are clearly not. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is how do we move from where, where we are to what God has envisioned. So in the middle of what is happening or what has happened is met by people like you and me, spiritual creations, people who have that deep connection with creativity and courage and reverence for life and wisdom and compassion. Some of that wisdom is ours. Some of it is our neighbors. Some of it is just Holy Spirit gods. Mm -hmm. And then we mix that all up with some love and imagine what was happening, right? And a little bit of agency. And a little bit of agency. And that comes out in a whole variety of ways. Uh, One of the ways I thought of, especially since the Mr. Rogers movie just came out, Mm -hmm. is the Mr. Rogers thing about, you know, when there's a disaster... Don't look focus for on look for the helpers, right? I was, you know, in our sanctuary, this is the season when we collect money for Heifer Project International. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what that is, go go Google it. Amazing organization, and you know, it's it's people who say, "I I can't do it all, but I can buy a flock of chickens." Yeah. Right. My grandma would really like a flock of chickens that she didn't have to care for this year. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and that transforms a family and then a community. And then, you know, like that that happens, right? Or just simply, I, I joked, you know, sometimes it's as simple as a neighbor not just walking by. Yeah. Right? So my neighbors on Saturday, Sunday, Saturday night texted me. My garage door was open. I had turned out the lights. I thought I had closed the door, but I, clearly I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But it's also the pro-democracy protesters we see, we're seeing on the news, right? And it's the the children and teens who shared their vision for a future without gun violence, right? I mean, like, it's all those things, the girl in Germany who is... Is, uh, working for climate change, change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and inspiring other people, people to, to work for climate, climate, change. Change. climate change too. Right? It's it's where 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 history is met with hope. Yes. Right. And hope this side of the grave. I think that's a really important piece because I think a lot of the PR, for lack of a better term, in my mind right now that the world has about what Christianity stands for is this future hope. Yeah. Like this hope in, in, in this. Well, you die and then you go to heaven. Right? Yeah. And, and what we're talking about here is not that hope. It, it, that's a, that's a fine hope. Yeah, sure. But, but it has no content. It has no impact on how we live today, how exactly. we meet the moments of today and imagine what it would do to this world if we only would let it. Yes. So you build heaven right here. Right. So Reverend Stafford tells a story about hope. And she talks about a friend who's a psychiatrist at a health clinic at a women's college. And how they sat together a few days after a, a student that the, her psychologist friend had been counseling committed suicide. Wow. And talks about how at one point, I'll, I'll, read the, I'll read the story. At one point, with tears streaming down her face, she looked up in defiance and spoke explicitly about her vocation. As if out of the ashes of that day she was renewing a vow or making a new covenant. She spoke explicitly of her vocation, of yours and mine. She said, you know, I cannot save them. I'm not here to save anyone or to save the world. All I can do, what I am called to do, is to plant myself at the gates of hope. 
Sometimes they come in and sometimes they walk by, but I stand there every day and call out till my lungs are sore with calling and beckon and urge them in toward beautiful life and love. And I love this image of us standing at the gates of hope, right? Because I think we get overwhelmed and so we never begin. Yes. Because we think, well, I can't do it. To echo your... I'm too little. I'm, I'm too, too scared. scared. But are any of us too little to stand at the gates and say, look, it's beautiful through here. It's hope. There's hope here. Beckoning and calling and singing and shouting and, and planted at those that gate. And not just reminding others, but also it's about reminding ourselves that hope is based in something bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Hope is based in the love that pours out upon us through God's grace, mm-hmm. right? We stand where we will stand, where we are, mm-hmm. on those plots of land, in congregations, in classrooms, in offices, in factories, in fields, in hospitals, in prisons, sometimes on the inside and sometimes on the outside, mm-hmm. in streets, in community groups, a sacred ground that we need to honor to bring a blessing to those around us. And to remember that the gates of hope are not things like the gates of optimism, which are right. sometimes a little narrow, mm-hmm. right? Or the boring gates of common sense. Hope is not, yeah. not always very commonsensical, right? right. And not the, 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 the gate of self-righteousness, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of creaky and noisy and angry. Mm-hmm. And people can't enter in because they can't get past that, right? And not in a, in a garden gate image of everything is going to be all right. Mm-hmm. But in this idea of truth-telling about our own soul first and and then of the world and the resistance and defiance, a place where you can see both the world as it is and as it could be. And letting yourself be dissatisfied with the way it is. Letting yourself be dissatisfied, not falling for the the notion that everything is okay, just it is. And then not getting stuck there, but moving forward. Right. Because it's that active waiting. That's where we are in Advent. We are not finished. Yes. And our job is not to wait until it gets done around us, mm-hmm. but to be an active participant in that hope, to be an active participant in the creation of what is to come. Yes. So, amen. Amen. So thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to what we've been talking about today, if you have your own story of hope, you can shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or at sundaymorningsleepin.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. The theme music that you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. So the scriptures for this sermon are Isaiah 2, verses 1 through 5, and Matthew 24, verses 36 to 44. I leave you with these words. There's a lot of things we can wait for. Uh, We can wait for the coffee to brew, and we can wait for the friend to call. We can wait for the, a baby's first words. We can wait for a baby's first steps. Because there's a lot more we can't wait for. And hope is one of them. Uh, so my, my hope is that you would indeed carry hope into this time, into these days. That you would not be passive, but active in the waiting and the, the transformation of this world. Amen. Amen.